Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to SMC 2021. This is uh, the morning encounter. Uh, long story short, uh, it's basically a summarization of the story of the Bible in 30 minutes or so. So, uh, if you're not looking for that encounter, you're in the wrong place. Uh, but if you are, welcome, welcome. Um, my name is Jeremy Leach. I'm on staff at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, grew up in the Houston area. Ended up uh, going to Mississippi my freshman year and playing ball at a small school there. But couldn't get over a hamstring injury, so I transferred to the University of Oklahoma to become a fraternity guy. Every young boy's dream. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I ended up being a Fiji at OU. Uh that was where I ended up actually meeting a guy named Brent Rinke, who was on staff with Stumo uh, at OU at the time. Now he's at Texas Tech. I don't know if anybody here is from Lubbock, but if you are, you know you know Brent. Uh, and when I met Brent, uh, that was kind of where I, that was a point in college when I really began to start considering my faith more. Um, it was actually when I started to follow Jesus uh, and got involved in Stumo. I ended up going to my first SMC. Brent, Brent got me to my first SMC in 2015. So that was six years ago. I was in your shoes at my first SMC. I loved it. I loved it. So I'm pumped that you guys are here right now. Um, ended up going to Kaleo that summer. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've heard about Kaleo, but that was instrumental in me maturing in my faith and uh, and all that. But Graduated college in the fall of 2017, came on staff with Stumo, and I've been on staff ever since. So, do you feel overwhelmed by how big the Bible is? Like, what is this thing? It's like 2,000 pages long. It's a ton of different stories. Like, what? how do I make sense of this thing? Uh, I know that was something I was asking myself growing up. I, I grew up going to church and stuff, but I didn't really read the Bible for, my, for myself until college. And growing up, my view of the Bible was probably, honestly, pretty typical of someone who grew up in this part of the United States. Uh, I saw the Bible kind of as this big, uh, mystical book from a long time ago that taught me how to be a good guy. Uh, I could usually pull some motivational stuff from it. Uh, people would text me all the time asking for Bible verses. I would literally just go to the Bible app and search a keyword and send them motivational verses and stuff. Uh, Philippians 4.13 with football. Like, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I can go in a football game, like all that. Um, yeah, I, I just became a really moral guy. Uh, and I would slap the name Christian on it uh, just because uh, of the Bible. So that's kind of how I viewed the Bible. And when I came to college, I began to realize there's a lot more than that. Uh, the problem with how I viewed the Bible uh, was that it really affected the way I viewed God. And one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is, how do, you, how do I view the Bible? Because however we answer that question ultimately determines, one, how we view God, but two, also how we view the rest of the world around us. That's a really important question to ask ourselves. So before we go any further this morning, uh, let's, let's discuss that question with the people around us. Uh, I've got the slide right here. I can pull it up for us. Uh, answer this. Growing up, what did you think the Bible was? Was it a book of rules, a playbook, uh, motivate? What was it? What did you think the Bible was? My hope is that by the end of this encounter this morning, 
each and every single one of us will walk away from from this, viewing the Bible as a story, not not as a book of rules, as a playbook, as but rather as a story that you and I are actually a part of. In order to do that, uh, in the time we have this morning, we're going to go from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, from page one to page 2,000-something, and we're going to get a 32,000-foot view of the story this Bible communicates. So, yeah, like I said, my Bible right here is about 2,000 pages long. Uh, I'll be honest, when I was practicing this, it took me about two hours to get through the whole thing. So I uh, hope you guys didn't have lunch plans because we're going to be here pretty much all day. No, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> for the sake of keeping me on track and getting us out of here on time, we're going to structure this time around uh, something that most of us probably haven't seen since junior high or freshman year of high school. Um, have you all seen, do you all remember this thing? It's called a story plot diagram. So a plot diagram basically ef- effectively helps us map uh, the sequence of events in a story. On this diagram, you've got, uh, firstly here, you've got an introduction, which gives us the setting, the characters, and the foundational elements of the story. Uh, after the introduction, uh, the story leads us into a, a point of conflict where there's a disagreement, there's an altercation, there's some sort of uh, conflict arises, and then as a result, tensions rise in the story until the story eventually reaches a climax where the solution to the story is realized. Uh, but if, it's a, if, 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 if you're reading a story from a good author, uh, typically around the point of conflict, there's some foreshadowing that kind of gives some foreshadowing of what the solution uh, to the, the conflict will be. And then after we reach the climax, most stories um, will... All, the, the tension will begin to fall and the resolution to the problem unfolds uh, until we reach the conclusion. So most stories will follow this diagram pretty well and uh, the Bible's no different. So we're going to follow this diagram from beginning to end. And for simplicity's sake, uh, instead, of, instead of going book by book, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, instead of doing that, we're going to break the Bible down into eras. Um, and we'll look at it that way. Uh, I've, I've included the books of the Bibles that are the, the, the Bible, the books of the Bible that are a part of that era. Um, so whenever you're reading uh, after you leave, you can uh, kind of be aware of where uh, in the story of the Bible that book you're reading falls. So don't feel like uh, you have to take notes because we're about to fly through um, thousands of years of biblical history in the next uh, 30 or mi- 30 minutes or so. So, my suggestion would be to just sit back, relax, listen to the story, uh, and I'll put everything you, I'll put everything that you need that you need to know on that handout. So, all right. So as we open up our Bibles, you don't have to actually open it up, but proverbially, proverbially, as we open it up, uh, we start with the introduction in Genesis, and the story begins with God. And God creates everything. He created the universe, the sun, the the earth, the plants, the animals. Uh, everything. Then God's not done. He created man, not because he had to, but because he chose to, because he wanted to. And he chooses to name the first two people, Adam and Eve. God created them to live in a perfect relationship with him. Uh, He gave them everything they needed. He provided for them. 
Uh, and he, he not only not only that, but he gave them work to do. And in this relationship, they knew God intimately. They knew him intimately. Uh, it was a personal relationship. Uh, and as creator, uh, God inherently, as creator, was Lord of all, meaning he had authority over everything. And with this authority, God told Adam and Eve that they were free to do whatever they wanted, except for one thing, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they did, they would die. And for a while, they enjoyed this perfect relationship with God, and they, they obeyed him. They obeyed the one rule that he gave them um, until one day Satan approached them in Genesis 3, and he asked them, Hey, did God really say not to eat from that tree? You know, the only reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree is because he knows that if you do, you will become like him. And in this moment, Satan planted a seed of doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve. And they began to question God's character. They began to question if he was actually good. So now, at this point in the story, they're faced with a decision. They can either, one, choose to trust that God is good and continue, and continue to obey him as Lord, or they can believe the lie that Satan told them about God and turn away from him and go their own way. So what do you think they did? I'll give you a hint. This is where the conflict in the story begins. Ultimately, they choose to believe the lie about God. They chose to, uh, they chose to believe the lie, and they ate from the tree. And in doing so, uh, their actions told their actions tell God, "Hey, we want to be Lord. We want to have the authority to decide what's good for us." And in doing so, they sinned against God, and humanity's perfect relationship with God was severed. As a consequence, God cast them out of the garden, and a curse fell on all of creation. Uh, all of the pain, death, destruction. And evil in the world uh, can be traced back to this decision to turn away from God. Um, and as humanity began to multiply, uh, they began to have babies. Uh, and as, as they began to multiply, so did their sin. Hundreds of years uh, go by in the story and uh, the next couple of chapters. And uh, by the time we, by the time that we get to Genesis chapter six. Uh, the Lord, it says this, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth, the human race I have created and with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. So God's going to, so God says, I'm going to start completely over. I'm going to wipe all of them off of the face of the earth. Their sin has become too much. But amidst all of this, a man by the name of Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Why, why, why Noah? Because Noah was a righteous man. He believed the truth about God and followed him. He had faith in the Lord. So God, he ends up flooding the earth, but saves Noah and his family uh, essentially starting over with a really small group of people, one family, that are faithful to him. Uh, and after the waters subside, God then commands them to go and fill the earth. But as time goes on and they multiply, uh, again, the people rebel. Uh, and, instead of, and instead of spreading across the earth, they build a tower 
they built a tower to make a name for themselves. Uh, again, for the second time, like choosing to turn from God. So God scatters them across the earth and they become a multitude of different people groups. Uh, as we enter the next era, out of all the people groups, God chooses one man, Abraham. And God gave him a promise. God told him, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. You will multiply and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So if we, if we, if we take a time out, if we pause, um, just for us as, we, as, we're, as we're reading this story, if, if, if we were playing poker, this would be as if God were showing us his hand. With this verse right here in Genesis chapter 12, he is foreshadowing what's to come. And he tells Abraham, he says, Abraham, all these people groups on earth have believed a lie. They've turned from me. But hear this, through you, I am going to remind them of the truth of who I am. And I'm going to make it possible for them to turn back to me and to be my people once again. So that's what we need to know is what's foreshadowed with the rest of this book, the rest of this Bible. So from here, tensions rise as God fulfills his, prom- as God fulfills his promise to Abraham, uh, all the way to the climax of the story. So from Genesis chapter 12 on, uh, Abraham moved. He started a family. Uh, he has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Uh, by turn of events, Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Then Jacob has 12 sons, which eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. If you've heard of that before, that's where that, that's where that came from. And, uh, out of these 12 sons, the old, the 11 older ones sold the youngest son, Joseph into slavery. After a turn of events, Joseph eventually made it to Egypt where, uh, by God's faithfulness, he became second in command to Pharaoh, which is crazy. Uh, but a famine hit. Uh, Joseph, uh, his family went to Egypt, uh, looking for food, not knowing that G- that Joseph was now in charge there. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. Uh, he saves them. He has them move to Egypt. And in doing so, uh, by this crazy turn of events, God actually remains faithful to his promise, uh, to Abraham and prevents his line from starving to death. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now, but for the next 400 years, uh, the people of Israel, uh, lived in Egypt and they grew from a family of 12 sons to over a million people. So they went from 12 to a whole lot more than that, uh, which tells me there's nothing to do in the desert, but make babies. So, uh, take away from that. Um, yeah. So as that era comes to a close, we, uh, enter into the next one. And along the way, uh, we see that Egypt has enslaved, uh, Israel. Uh, and a guy named Moses is born. God calls Moses to lead Israel on a mass exodus out of slavery from Egypt. And when he does, or he does, and then on the way out of town, God promised uh, Israel and Moses uh, this place called the promised land. He pray, He promised them a land for them to, to call home. And so as he's leading, as he's leading them through the desert, uh, on the way there, the people become afraid. They're like, man, why do we leave Egypt? We're going to die in this desert. And they begin to doubt God. They begin to, uh, they, they, they turn from him again. And as a consequence, uh, God leads them around the desert. Uh, he, he led them around the desert for 40 years uh, until the generation that rebelled from him died off and so that their children could then uh, themselves go into the land. So 
after all the old people died, uh, Moses then handed off leadership to a new leader named Joshua, which brings us into our next era. And Joshua, uh, Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land. But the problem was, uh, if you if you if you if you read the text, there were other people groups live, uh, living there, and uh, because of that, they had to go in and take it by force. They had to conquer it. So uh, when they while conquering the land, uh, God gave them the, God gave them this interesting command. He told them to kill everyone. Uh, so that that sounds harsh, but ultimately it was because. Uh, God didn't want them to become spiritually corrupted by the people living there. Um, so they ended up conquering the land, but again, they don't entirely listen to God. Uh, and they they leave a lot of the people in the land, in the land alive. And as you can imagine, uh, as they began to intermarry and make more babies with these people, uh, a cycle began to play out. And uh, we enter into the next era, and we see the people begin to... Uh, turn from God. Uh, God would allow them to, as a result, be conquered by a neighboring country. Uh, Israel would then call out to God for help after being conquered, and God would raise up a judge, basically a military leader, to deliver them. Uh, and then after God freed them from their captors, they would, they would, they would enjoy freedom uh, until that judge died, and then they would turn from God again, and the cycle would start all over. So, that ended up happening seven times during this era. This is the book of Judges. And uh, at this point in the Bible, uh, right next to the book of Judges, is a book called Ruth, which is a, a side story about a woman, uh, of course, named Ruth, who uh, who loved the Lord, who was faithful to him, who uh, believed the truth about him, uh, and uh, followed him as Lord. And it was a, it's a really refreshing uh, story that contrasts heavily everything going on at the time. So uh, at the end of that era, we had, after after that after seven times through that cycle of rebellion with the judges, uh, the people of Israel begin to look around and they see that the nations around them all have kings, and so they they go to God and they say, "Hey, they have kings. Why can't we have a king?" And this really uh, this really saddens God because um, God was their king, but He allowed them to have a king, a human king. And so the people chose a guy by the name of Saul, but the problem was Saul ended up turning from God. And so as a result, God did not establish Saul's family on the throne. Uh, but the next guy named David, who a lot of us know, uh, ended up being faithful to God. And so as a result, God established him. Uh, God said, hey, David, I'm going to establish your family on the throne for, for forever. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. God made David this promise, and then after David died, his son Solomon became king. But unfortunately, Solomon uh, he started out strong, but he he eventually turned from the Lord, and as a result, or he eventually drifted really far from the Lord, and as a result, uh, civil war broke out, and the kingdom split into two, with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So you've got these two kingdoms now, uh, and during this time. Uh, there's a prophet by the name of Isaiah who uh, who would speak to the people. And as Isaiah talked to the people, he would say things like, Hey, guys, the Lord himself, he's going to give you a sign. There's going to be this virgin, and she's going to conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Emmanuel, uh, which means God with us. Uh, he, he said that. He also said stuff like, 
And for uh, to us, a child is going to be born. Uh, a son is going to be given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, he will and 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 he will reign on David's throne. He will he will be from the line of David. He will reign on his throne and over and he will reign over this kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Um, and with these words, uh, the tension continued to rise in the minds of the people uh, and in the story of the Bible. But uh, the words of Isaiah don't come to fruition quite yet. Uh, Israel uh, is ruled by 19 different kings over the span of 250 years, but uh, not a single one of them remains faithful to the Lord. Uh, as a result, the Lord allowed Assyria to destroy them, uh, a neighboring nation to destroy them, which ended up scattering uh, all the people across the region. Uh, so that was the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, simultaneously in the south, Judah. Judah is ruled by 20 kings over the span of uh, roughly 400 years. Eight of those kings uh, follow the Lord. They're faithful to him, but the rest of them uh, turn from him. They rebel against him. Uh, and eventually, the sins of Judah catch the sins of Judah catch up to them, and God then allows Babylon to conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, but all the while, uh, God continues to remain faithful to His promise to Abraham and to David. Um, and instead of being destroyed, they're taken into exile. Uh, so we enter into this next era, the era of exile, and. The people assimilate into the Babylonian culture. Uh, while they're in Babylon at this point in history, the Persian Empire uh, takes over the Middle East. And as they do, they end up conquering Babylon and uh, God's people uh, with it. So the story continues on, and uh, we're not going to stay here long, but we're introduced to a guy named Daniel. Uh, during Daniel's life, he provides leadership for God's people and encourages them to uh, be faithful to God, so he's he's a uh, one of the main characters of this story, of this part of the Bible, um, and then after roughly seventy years or so, uh, Cyrus, uh, the king of Persia, allows the Jewish people to return to the Promised Land, marking a, the beginning of a new era and uh, ultimately the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, after years and years and years of war and destruction. Uh, so. As they go back, they begin to physically rebuild their country or their, their city. Uh, and simultaneously, uh, kind of parallel to that, there's also a spiritual rebuilding um, that's led by a guy named Ezra. Ezra rediscovered God's word, and he uh, ended up teaching the people how to be faithful to God. So this is where the Old Testament actually comes to a close, and we enter into a period of silence for like the next 400 years. And what that means is there weren't, uh, it was silent because there weren't any prophets. Uh, prophets spoke for God. There wasn't any, there wasn't any word from him. Um, there was nothing. So this is called the period of silence. Uh, politically, during this time, the climate continued to shift. Uh, Alexander the Great defeated the Persians in 333 BC, and the region was unified under, underneath his reign, underneath his rule. Um, after Alexander the Great died, the Roman Empire uh, took over the region. And as Roman influence began to grow, 
Jewish religious and political persecution uh, grew tremendously. Um, they were being ruled by the Roman government and the Jewish people. Uh, as they were being oppressed, uh, some began to hope for, really hope for spiritual salvation. Uh, others others uh, looked for a savior to deliver them politically. Um, and all this hope was resting on the shoulders of the promise that uh, the promises that God had given to Abraham and to David. So they were looking to these promises ultimately as deliverance, some of them spiritually, some of them politically. So that is kind of where we're at as this tension has grown and grown and grown all throughout the story. And at the brink of the New Testament, we reach the climax. So if, if, if you were to go to take a look at Matthew chapter 1, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to pull it up because I couldn't fit it on the screen. But uh, if, if you go to your Bible later and look at Matthew chapter one, you can it shows you the genealogy from of, of Abraham's family all the way from Abraham to current to, to where we are right now. And we can see that at the end of this lineage um, is this guy by the name of Jesus who ends up being the answer to uh, to God's promise to Abraham and to David. Uh, Jesus is the great, 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 great something grandson of Abraham. And so Jesus has arrived. He's the fulfillment of everything that's been foreshadowed from God's promises to Abraham and David and what the prophets have said throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus lived 33 years on earth. Uh, the last three years of his life were his public ministry. And while he was here, uh, he claimed to be God in the flesh, kind of a, a big uh, astronomical claim. Um, so, yeah, claimed to be God in the flesh. Uh, during this time, he went head to head with uh, the religious leaders of the time. He, he opposed their legalism. Uh, they taught that a relationship with God was by uh, upholding tradition and doing uh, just doing a lot of religious things. And he opposed this teaching and taught that a true relationship with God can only be found through faith in him. Uh, that's the only way that they could know God, they could be restored to him. And so uh, during this time, he also talked about that, that being made possible by his impending death and that his death was the only way that humanity's sin uh, that we'd been guilty of for uh, thousands of years could be paid for. And uh, while teaching all of these things, he brought he brought 12 guys along with him, and wherever he went, he taught them. Uh, he taught them more about the Word of God. He taught them more about um, uh, truth, and he taught them how to take this message of uh, spiritual salvation uh, to the people around them. So uh, he just he took them he took them with him everywhere he went. Uh, so eventually, as the story goes on, the religious leaders were pretty ticked off about his growing popularity. Uh, they were also pretty peeved about his claim to be God, as you can imagine. So they plotted to kill him. Uh, they end up catching him. He's arrested. He's tried and eventually crucified on a cross. And in doing so, fulfills his prediction that uh, his death will serve as a, a legitimate and literal sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Uh, in doing this, he bore the consequence that we des that we deserved uh, on the cross. He uh, he he bore that consequence. Um, and three days later, uh, he raised from the grave. Uh, if he didn't if he didn't if he didn't raise from the grave, then he was a fraud. 
But uh, raising from the grave, he proved himself to be the Son of God, who he said he was, uh, which proved that the climax of the story uh, was fulfilled, was true, and he was the solution to the problem from the beginning. So for the next 40 days, uh, Jesus stuck around. He spent time uh, with his disciples, with his followers. He, uh, he told them that uh, he was, he was going to have to leave them, but that, when he, but that him leaving would, have, would be better than him staying because uh, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they were told to wait in Jerusalem until they did. So uh, that ends the era of the Gospels, and we begin to move into the church era, when, which begins after Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, one of his disciples, one of his closest buddies, uh, Peter, preaches a sermon to a really, really large crowd, and uh, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. Uh, and as a result, we have the beginning of the church. And as the church, uh, as the church continued to grow uh, pretty quickly uh, in that in Jerusalem in that area, uh, a, a, a guy by the name of Stephen, who was a leader in the church, was stoned to death after he uh, after sharing this story after preaching a sermon. And uh, upon upon this happening, this marked uh, the beginning of widespread persecution uh, against the church. They were scattered across the Middle East, across Rome. Um, across all of Judea and Samaria, this whole region, and um, matter of fact, during during this moment that Stephen was killed, uh, a guy by the name of Saul was standing there. He uh, he held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen, and this is where we meet Saul. Um, and Saul, from here on out, becomes one of the main focuses for the rest of the story of the Bible, and. Saul, uh, where we pick up in his story, he is beginning to just hunt Christians. He's beginning to hunt them down uh, and arrest and kill them. Um, And while on one of these trips, Jesus appears to Saul. Uh, As you can imagine, Saul was pretty shaken up, and uh, he ends up believing in Jesus. His name is changed to Paul, and he becomes a missionary to the Gentiles, which is basically uh, anybody who's not Jewish. So uh, all the people... Uh, that are not in the line of Abraham. So uh, we then, Paul then ushers in the next era in the Bible where he went on three missionary journeys through Asia and Southern Europe. And as he did, he planted churches in major cities. Um, as he was going, he sent, he sent letters back to these young churches that he planted, basically teaching them sound doctrine, uh, what to believe about God based on uh, scripture based on the Old Testament, based on the life of Jesus and the teachings of the other disciples. Um, he addressed different sin issues among them. And um, ultimately, that's how we got a bunch of the New Testament uh, with books like Romans, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, all those books. Um, those are Paul's basically follow-up letters to these young believers in these new churches. And as these pockets of Christians uh, in these cities across the region began to grow in their faith, they uh, would then share this story with a bunch of different people in the city. Uh, they would share they would share it and as and as they did, the church would grow. Uh, and over the span of two thousand years, um, the gospel eventually spread across the earth uh, through the same fashion churches began to plant, they began to spread throughout the world. and uh, eventually, now, that is how we got to this very room today, where you and I are standing here talking about this guy named Jesus. So 
that's the story of the Bible up to this point in history. Um, and if we look at our if we look at our plot diagram, we can see that uh, you and I are, whether we realize it or not, currently in the middle of the story. The story has made its way around the globe to to you and me, and it's intersected our lives here in uh, 2021 in Dallas, Texas. And right now, we are between the resolution and the conclusion. And as this story um, gets to us, as we hear it, we're all faced with, uh, it, we're all each individually faced with a decision. Um, we're called to, we're, we're the, the, the decision that we're, that we're faced with is, is concluding who do we, on an individual level, who do we think Jesus was? Was he actually the son of God? Um, because if he was, that cha- that changes everything. It, because it that would confirm the rest of the story. Um, if he really did raise from the grave, it would confirm he's the son of God. And if that's the case, then uh, we have to take the rest. We have to take the beginning of this story seriously. And the beginning of the story states that each and every single one of us have a problem. That you and I have a sinful nature. Like nobody had to teach. No one had to teach me how to lie. Like no one had to teach me how to how to how to sin and that's just an indicator that by nature we're sinful and as a result we're each deserving of an eternal consequence but um fortunately as we've seen from this story uh god and his desire for for us to be saved from that consequence uh and restore us to himself he he came he was he himself was a solution to the problem he came to us as a man as as jesus and each and gave each of us an individual opportunity to turn back to him to turn back to him as lord um not only that but he came to refute the lie that uh that satan told our ancestors about god uh per, showing us that that god's character really is good and trustworthy and uh, and that we can trust his instruction on how to live as his creation, um, and how to, and that, and that with that he promises full life, uh, life as it was designed to, to be lived uh, to its fullest. So, um, yeah, if if we end up deciding to make the decision individually, uh, if 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 someone decides to make the decision to turn back to God as Lord. Uh, and to trust in Jesus as the only way to be saved from from their sin, then they're forgiven. They're they're restored back to Him. Uh, they they can have a relationship with Him. Uh, and in that, God offers us a fresh start. I mean, that's that's the whole theme of SMC this year, right? Fresh. Like He He gives us a fresh start and an opportunity. Uh, ultimately, as a result, a full life with Him. But what's really cool that this this is what this is one of my favorite parts of the story. It doesn't end there. The story, like we're still we're still here. It hasn't concluded yet. The story is still going, and now we're invited to be a part of the resolution of it. We're invited. We're 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 invited to be a part of the conclusion. Second Corinthians five says this. It says, "If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation." The old is gone. 
the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. You and I get to have a fresh start, and now we're invited to bring this fresh start to the rest of the world. Uh, where we're, uh, we're fullness of life in relationship with God, knowing him, being restored back to him uh, is offered to us. So if we look back to the promise God gave Abraham at the beginning of the story, uh, God actually gives us a look at his heart. It shows that he desires that every single people group from all of those people groups who were scattered across the earth at the Tower of Babel, he desires that they come to know him again as Lord. And the only way that's possible is by taking the story to them. So we're now invited to be part of the resolution of the story as, as the story inevitably leads to the conclusion uh, in Revelation, which uh, one of Jesus' disciples named John uh, wrote down after he had a vision. And he said this, he said, he said, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that, that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. The gospel at this point in the story will have reached the, the ends of the earth and every people group that was scattered from God uh, has turned back to him and they're now worshiping him as Lord. And guys, that's, that's, that's the long story short. That's, that's what this story tells. It tells that's where we've been. That's where we're at. And that's where we're going. Um, but before we go, uh, I've got a couple questions for us. Uh, I want to ask you this question. What's, what's your takeaway from this story? What's your takeaway from this story? This story might be something that you've been wrestling with for a little bit. And you might be asking questions like, hey, was Jesus really the son of God? Like, is what is what he offers me really more refreshing than anything that I could come up with? And maybe that's why you're here at SMC. Maybe you're looking for answers. And if that's you, uh, I just want to tell you I'm... I'm really happy you're here because that was me when I was in your shoes six years ago. Uh, I My life was not refreshing. And, and as I began to uh, read the story, I began to, it, it began to really just, it, it, it got me. And um, I hope that this encounter, uh, this story has really been helpful in helping you learn more about what the Bible says, uh, what it's about, uh, the, the God that describes himself in it. And, um, to, to those of us in the room who have, who have, who have decided that, that, that they've come to the conclusion that Jesus really is the only way that they can know God and has decided to turn back to him as Lord, uh, I've got a question for you too. Um, I just want to know, what, what are you doing to grow in your relationship with him? How, how does his authority in your life affect your day-to-day? Guys, I, I hope this encounter was, was helpful for you. Uh, I... I really enjoyed my time uh, with you guys this morning. Based on this story, we we know where the story is headed. Uh, and are you going to be a part of it? But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want to leave you with. Are you going to be a part of it? So 
if you look at your handout before you, before you go, uh, I've got some resources for you that uh, I wanted to point you toward uh, if you're interested in more about this topic. Uh, I wrote most of this talk based on the the book by Max Anders called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It's a great workbook. Uh, it it kind of walks you through the story uh, and the geography of the Bible. I didn't really touch on the geography at all, but there's maps all throughout this workbook that touches on the geography uh, and shows you the movements of the people and Jesus and the disciples and Paul, um, uh, which I really didn't have the time to include in this. But that's a great book, 30 Days. Uh, another one I suggest, uh, this is one of my favorite books. I actually read it over quarantine. Uh, it's by a guy named Todd Arend with the traveling team. It's called The Abrahamic Revolution. Um, this book goes a lot more into the storyline uh, of God's promise to Abraham and throughout Scripture uh, and human history, showing how this is God's driving purpose. This is his mission uh, to bring people from every people group uh, around the world to come to know him. Uh, so that's also a great book. And then lastly, this one's pretty, this one's really, really good. I haven't actually finished it yet because it's, it's pretty dense. But uh, if you're interested in learning more about how this story spread across the globe after the book of Acts uh, wraps up, um, there's uh, a church history series by a guy named Tommy Nelson over in Denton who walks through the whole book of Acts with this with the early church and the beginnings of the church. And uh, he takes the development of that throughout the book of Acts and then continues it on throughout the histories of uh, the church from um, like Acts 28 all, way, all the way until present day. So he walks through all the different uh, splits and changes in the church and stuff like that. And it's pretty fascinating. Um, really, really cool stuff. But yeah, guys, that's the long story short. Uh, that's the Bible in uh, 30 to 40 minutes. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can find all the other breakout sessions from SMC 2021 on Apple and Spotify. Just search SMC 2021. Peace.